Hey there, Super Charmers. Welcome back to the Wooist Podcast, a podcast where we help you charm whoever you come across. And today we have a new guest named Susanna Matthews. She's a dating coach and dating strategist helping people find love and connection. She's also author of the book, Revising Mrs. Robinson. Enjoy today's podcast. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Who is he? Wait, is he coming over here? Hi, thank you so much, Patrick. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to visit with you. Uh, yes, well, well, the pleasure is all mine. And today, we're going to actually be talking about a really interesting topic that we haven't talked about on this, on this podcast yet. And it's the interesting relationship uh, between cougar cub dating. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate that you were open to exploring a new topic and kind of going down a new avenue. Uh, the book Revising Mrs. Robinson is about intergenerational romantic relationships between older women and younger men. Some people who maybe want to just cut to the chase on that will call that a cougar cub relationship. Um, for people who don't like that terminology, they can always go with the more is more of a mouthful, older woman, younger man, you know, call, call it what you want to call it. Um, but, but I've always just kind of been my whole life. I've been a little bit of a contrarian minded person, a contrarian thinker. And I've always been interested, Pat, in the outliers, the things that are kind of on the periphery of the norm, the periphery of what's conventional and traditional and acceptable. And so, um, when I, you know, started looking at this topic, uh, I was really interested in not only what are the cultural or social responses to that age gap relationship, but also what were the internal responses that the women and the men themselves were having, positive, negative, uh, were they feeling empowered, were they feeling fearful or restricted in some ways. I'm interested in that internal monologue, that self-talk that so often dictates whether we succeed at something or get what we want or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, and I think just like you, I'm a little bit of an outside the box thinker as well. So I've tried a lot of different kinds of relationships and some of them have really backfired in my face and others have like, wow, those things, maybe that's kind of like what I want to look more into. Yeah, yeah. And this is actually something that, that was actually, uh, that just kind of struck me like, wow, this is, a, this is yeah, this is a really interesting kind of relationship. And I've, I have seen different kind of people in these kind of relationships as well. Um, yeah. Also, having tried uh, just you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg of it myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I, again. I'm not no expert on this, um, but what I guess what fascinated you on this specific topic was it that you were kind of you saw some cubs and you were like, ooh, maybe uh, maybe <laughs> this is what I want to try out. Well, it was a little less direct than that, or a little less straightforward than that. I since college, I have been interested in topics related to. Um, women's roles, gender roles, um, women's empowerment, um, ageism. Uh, I'm just really interested in, I guess, any kind of thing that has the word ism on the end, whether it's racism, sexism, ageism, what have you. What are the restrictions that we knowingly or unknowingly kind of operate by in our culture? Um, I thought it was really interesting, for example, that when the movie The Graduate was made, Anne Bancroft, who was cast in the role of Mrs. Robinson, the older woman next door neighbor, she was only seven years older than Dustin Hoffman, who played Benjamin at that time. Now, seven years in my book is not a significant age gap. Um, for most people, that's, that's really not 
an obstacle. But that's that's very reflective of like Hollywood thinking, both back in the 60s and even somewhat today that, oh, seven years and she's older, like that's, that is like a huge gap, whereas they wouldn't hesitate to maybe cast an, a significantly older man with a much younger woman in the romantic role and, and no one would think twice about it. So I thought that that was, I think that's changing, but that definitely reflected Hollywood's um, value system at the time when the movie was made. So then um, I had a lot of different career iterations. Uh, Patrick, I, I taught speech and drama at the college level for a number of years. It was always a little baffling to me um, to sometimes be on the receiving end of young male attention in that arena. Um, I was very clear about my boundaries. I am the teacher, you are the student. There was never any crossing of boundaries. Um, but it just baffled me that, that the attention was even there. Um, and then much later, when I was um, newly single, I found that younger men were um, interested and, and openly expressing that interest. And, and I was sort of in that mindset of, are you kidding me? You know, I'm, I'm way too old for you. What are you thinking? Are you crazy? And then I realized, like, I had this, this talk with myself. Hey, girl, I thought you were, thought you were more evolved than this. I thought you were more empowered than this. Why are you, why are you talking yourself out of this? So, so it was kind of interesting to gauge my own um, you know, sometimes we are not as far along the path as we think we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and we get these opportunities to see, oh, here's the work I still have to do. I actually had one of those uh, those moments as you were talking about it. And as then I was kind of remembered, you know, I went to this this thing called a cuddle party, by the oh, way. <laughs> and and it, was, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a gathering where, you know, men and women, they just kind of come to this place to cuddle. And I remember there was this, you know, there was this older woman that was there, and, and when she was uh, when she was kind of like wavering at me, saying, "Hey, would you like to cuddle?" I'm like, "But you're so much old. like I mean, now this is not just like seven years. This is like twenty, thirty years, yeah. maybe forty years." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but but I was like, and I was starting getting into my head a lot. I was like, "Oh man, like what 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 is happening?" And I started making all these stories about like, "Is this okay? Like, is this strange? Is this weird?" And after a little while, I, I kind of noticed, "Oh, actually, she's just another another person." Yeah. She's just like I just started making up all this stuff in my mind about like, "Is this okay? Is, is this all right?" Like, <laughs> like does she know that I that that I'm only like you know 31 years old? Like, like. Like, it, this is me more. And, and it kind of like, I, my mind was going crazy about that. And then I realized after we, 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 if we did cuddle, it was like, oh, she's another human being. Like, and I just made up all the other stuff around that idea. And in a cuddle party context, isn't it more just about like touch and warmth and kind of human companionship? It's, it's not necessarily sexual in nature? Yes, yes. It, yeah, it wasn't necessarily. But, but for me, it was like, I, I even created a lot of like, like stigmas of is this okay kind of thing and, and it wasn't even a dating context yeah it's so in a way relieving for me to hear you as a male say that because i know for sure that with women i talk to and even for myself you know no matter how educated we are or how much we earn we still get this message from our media and from our society that we are valued for our youth and our beauty. And as that starts to ebb away, uh, which inevitably it does, that's, that's the human condition, um, there can be a little bit of a, I don't know if crisis is too strong of a word, but just a moment of reckoning of, okay, do, 
where do I put my stock and from what do I derive my identity? And particularly if a woman has been treated as attractive for much of her life um, by middle age or, or later age, she really has to be a strong, self-assured, confident woman to continue to say, yes, I'm still vibrant and I'm still sexual and I still have something to offer, even mm -hmm. if I don't look like a Victoria's Secret, Secret supermodel or you know whatever her former standard of beauty was. Um, and so sometimes I, I feel you know, a little bit reassured to know that men have those moments of insecurity too. As you were talking, something kind of came up to me and I actually wanted to bring this up because a question that I hear from a lot of men around this uh, topic is yes, women are still very vibrant, you know, even if they're older and, and they're, they're, they're believed to be valued for their, for their beauty and all. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of men is this question of, or, or their assumption of, well, if she says she's older, she probably wants to have kids and, and things can't be that casual or, or things can't, or things are probably gonna move too fast. And, and they create a lot of assumptions. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, if anything, um, I almost see the opposite play out. So most women my age, 40, 45, 50, whatever, um, they have had children. They aren't necessarily looking to expand their family. They've lived the whole, you know, marriage with the dog and the white picket fence, whatever that storyline was. Oftentimes they are looking for something just a little more, um, I don't want to say casual, but, uh, you know, we're kind of in a, post dating world here where it, we aren't as clingy to our titles and our definitions and having to really pin down what is the nature of this relationship or what are we calling it uh, and i'm seeing um, younger men have kind of grown up more in that environment and are influencing maybe the older women they're dating to just sort of go with the flow a little bit more and, and not need to like DTR right out of the gate. Um, so if anything, it's the opposite of what, what you described. Oh, okay. Very interesting. So, so someone who is interested in this kind of relationship, like what, uh, I guess, I guess, where do they start? Like, I, you know, I, I want to date older women. Yeah. Like, cause I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people also in the past who said, you know, I like under, older, younger women, but older women, they, you know, they got their, their stuff together. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they're not like as insecure as as younger women, you know, so I hear other things and if, if a guy were to say, you know, I, I do kind of want to explore this, like where, where would they start? Well, they would really start all the same places that you would go or all the same things you would do to meet someone who is of a similar age, but you would just sort of open your view and, and set your vibration a little bit more expansively. So if you're using an online dating app, whether it's like Coffee Meets Bagel or Bumble or something like that, you're just going to set your age parameters a little bit more broadly, right? Actually message and respond and go back and forth with someone. Um, if you're at a bar, you're gonna maybe flirt or break the ice with that person who maybe you didn't previously consider. Um, it's all about those nonverbals, which I'm sure you, you talked to a lot about, how to pick up on the nonverbal cues and how to send the nonverbal signals. It's all the same stuff. You just now have a broader audience. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, so, so being more open to opening up the shutters mm -hmm. of the possibilities then. For sure. And I always encourage people, no matter their age, it doesn't matter if they're 25 or 50 or 75, knowing who you are and what kind of person you're wanting to attract and then being that kind of person who is going to attract that, the, the more you can define that and know 
kind of how to set your, your navigation system, then the better chances of success you have of actually attracting that person. So there's, there's inner work to do. That's, that's what you and I as coaches work on, right? We, mm -hmm. we help people kind of get their inner stuff lined out um, and then you can go and execute. Yeah. And, and I do, I do believe that, you know, there, there is probably some inner work to be done you know, before, well, I'm not sure what your stance is on, like, uh, like how much inner work you need to have done before, you know, jumping into this kind of relationship or something like that. Well, I, you know, there were a couple of things that were sort of light bulb moments for me. Um, I'm someone that when I don't understand something or there's a problem and I can't quite wrap my head around it, I go to the literature, I start researching. And so that's what I did really with this subject. I looked at social science research. I looked at evolutionary anthropology, evolutionary psychology, evolutionary biology. I wanted to know why do humans seem to have this knee-jerk reaction of this is not an appropriate or acceptable um, relationship pairing. Um, and, I, and I found that I think a lot of some of our wiring that we still have within our brains that may not have even been chosen consciously has to do with what was evolutionarily advantageous. And I apologize for that sounding like a super scientific, you know, million dollar word, but, but there's no better phrase. Um, we are going to have positive biases towards the, the pairings that are evolutionarily in our best interest. In other words, they perpetuate the survival of the human race. And we may have negative biases against those that don't. And so when we see that older woman and that younger man, there's something in the back of our brain, you know, some little fear response of, meh, 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 you know, sounding the alarms, this pair doesn't work. Mm. But today it does, because we no longer have to be worried about dying out or being, you know, snatched up by a woolly mastodon outside the cave or whatever. Um, we, we don't have to uh, guard for our survival um, all day, every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you wrote a book called Revising Mrs. Robinson. Correct. And in the beginning of your book, you talked about how you want to see if you still got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think every woman you know, kind of enjoys those moments where she realizes what, whether she's partnered and in a relationship that's monogamous or whether she's single, having that validation of, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm still compelling um, to, the, to the audience that I'm interested in attracting. But, but really, I mean, for me, the book, there have been other things that have been written about this subject. Mine is not the first, but I do think that mine is uniquely positioned in that it kind of sits at that intersection of applying the critical lens of ageism and the critical lens of sexism and saying, how do these two things intersect to create a not so awesome situation for this kind of couple? And then once we understand that, then what are some things that that type of couple can do to sort of arm themselves or empower themselves so that they are prepared for whatever their peers are saying or their family members or their coworkers or, you know, whatever mm. little snarky comments. I mean, mm. I, I heard people make, even as they found out I was just researching this, I wasn't even in an age gap relationship, but they just learned of my, my research interest and they would say things like, Oh, I had a friend who did that. I thought she lost her mind. <laughs> or, Oh, I, I knew a guy who did that. It was so weird. I don't know why he won't date women his own age. It's kind of creepy. Mm. But it had all these labels um, that no one really thought about um, where their assumptions came from. And how at the end of the day, I mean, it sounds so basic. I can't even believe I'm saying it out loud. But um, 
understanding what your values are and, and finding a partner that's going to share those with you, regardless of their age, their race, their gender, or their socioeconomic status, that's the key to a healthy, happy relationship. Mm, I like that. And, and one of the things that, uh, as you said that, it kind of popped into my mind, like the like the reason maybe someone might not jump into this kind of relation because of the ageism, sexism, the, the taboo-ness of it, is because of what others might say. Yeah. Like like that that seemed like uh, something like uh, you know she she seems great, we get along, but what would what would my mom say? What would what would my friends say? Like what kind of snarpy comments would the media say? Like like could I even handle this? Uh, and, and in the back of their minds, they're like, oh, no, I, I don't want to have to deal with all that that has to come along with it. Right. And I, I could see someone saying that, like, uh, th- from the fear of being judged that, well, what am I doing? Like, is this really acceptable or whatnot? Yeah. So that's kind of the first thing I kind of thought about. Like, the biggest barrier would probably be, like, they're afraid of being judged by, you know, what the whole of society is saying. We still have that that need for belonging and that need for acceptance and that drive to be a part of the clan. And, and that's just human nature and that never goes away. One of the things that I did when I wanted to figure out, okay, I want to script some things that both the men and the women can just sort of have in their back pocket and like pull out as a, you know, cut and paste, <laughs> copy and paste kind of response. And I actually looked at, believe it or not, Patrick, I looked at etiquette books because mm. I didn't want to necessarily encourage people to meet negativity with negativity or vitriol with vitriol. You know, it's that whole, when they go low, you go high kind of, that, that's more the vibe or the energy that I am in. Um, and so I wanted for people to have responses that were clear and succinct powerful and effective and in no way argumentative or, or confrontational. Um, and so, you know, something like um, the young man saying like, you know, I, I pity anyone who underestimates her. I try to do right by her and she seems very happy to me. You know, things like that that aren't defensive, mm-hmm. but definitely put people kind of on check. Um, those are the kinds of conversations I think this age gap couple needs to have so that they're ready for those moments Mm-hmm. And so that she knows he has her back and he knows she has his back. Mm. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? So that, that they'll be prepared for, you know, if, if things hit the fence, per se. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so people, mm-hmm. people will come around. Yeah. If someone were to, uh, you know, pick up your book on revising Mrs. Robinson, like what, what are they going to get from this book exactly? Well, so when I was first putting the book out, my, uh, I had a, someone helping me out with the social media and the promotion and all that. And I said, you know, we really have to talk about what's unique about this book so that people kind of know how it competes with other material. And he said, you know, I think what's really special about this is it's scholarly yet sexy. <laughs> so mm. I took a lot of, you know, as I spoke of earlier, a lot of academic information and I kind of wrapped it up in a sexier bow because I mean, let's face it, no one really wants to have to read through case studies or, um, you know, journal of evolutionary, blah, blah, blah. Um, I did that for you. <laughs> so that you don't yes. have to All the research is done. It's done. <laughs> check, check, check. Um, but you know, I, I, I interviewed women around the country who either were 
currently in an age gap relationship with a younger man or had been previously. And I asked them questions about how they felt, what the challenges or obstacles were, how they dealt with it, how did you meet, how were financial issues handled? Because oftentimes the younger men aren't as established in their careers, some are maybe still in grad school or college, um, some are still just trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. Usually she's in a different chapter of her life. Um, how do you deal with the issues of, you know, someday he wants to maybe have a family of his own and she's kind of already closed the door on that. Uh, one of the things that I really came to the conclusion of is that just because a relationship doesn't last for life doesn't mean that it didn't have value or that it mm. didn't have substance. Uh, I think we live in, um, I don't want to inflame anybody with this term, almost like a post-monogamy time um, where the 50-year or 60-year wedding anniversary, um, while I certainly congratulate people who reach that milestone, that's not necessarily going to be everybody's goal. And so you can have a meaningful relationship with someone and whether it lasts six months or six years or 60 years no one gets to determine or measure success but you and the person mm. you have a relationship with yeah that's i think that's fantastic that you said that uh, a, a long time ago my one of my co-hosts and i we, we've had this conversation about like what is a successful relationship and i even had this conversation with someone that i haven't seen in a while and he was saying you know what i'm good at talking to women but i, I can't keep relationships and, and as he was talking to me about that, I was thinking, okay, like, like, well, what do you mean? Well, I, you know, once it gets to the two year mark or three year mark or something like that, it's like, things don't work. I need to make it work. And I feel like I've always failed at, at them. And, 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 and for me, kind of similar to you, I, I kind of see it as, oh, well, it's just, I don't know, like, I don't see it as failure. It was just something that, that worked for a while and maybe it's not working now, but, but it almost seems like people see success as um we were together until one of us died right right like even if we were in a relationship for 60 years and then we had a divorce that was a failure yeah. like at least some people see that as a failure i'm like well it worked for 60 years that's pretty yeah. good so so one of the sort of um criteria i use for measuring success in any relationship and again this isn't just about an age gap relationship but really any uh, is sort of what is the overall effect on your soul? Um, so I take a little bit of a spiritual approach. You know, if you are a better person for having been in this relationship, then keep on keeping on. If it is eroding your soul, your personhood, your your sense of who you are and what you're about, if it's robbing from you in some way, and and I have, too have known people who were together for 50 years and then much to the shock of their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, they called it quits. Um, but at some point you do have to take responsibility for the health of your soul and who we partner with is one of the number one contributing factors to that, to the health of your soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with that. Now I'm not sure I'm going to jump off ta tangent right now. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But from what I've seen personally, and I, I've noticed that a lot of people who, who feel like they're unhappy with that kind of relationship or, or whatever doesn't, uh, whatever isn't, whether they feel like maybe something is eroding or whatnot, maybe it's not just a relationship, but maybe it's just possibly them. 
being like caught up in you know a lot of insecure thinking or maybe something's going through them and they just they just think that it's the relationship perhaps i think you've hit something important there a lot of relationship issues that i've seen are can all be traced back to self-loathing people have fundamental inability to have compassion for themselves and when you don't have compassion for yourself you can't really have compassion for for others and and that that root of self-loathing can really unravel the relationship from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about you, Susanna? Like what, what, what kind of relationship do you have at the current moment? Are you dating any cubs or? Uh, well, no, I'm not really seriously dating. I'm just kind of um, recently getting back into dating after a pretty painful um, parting after a very painful um, disbanding and it took it's taken me a while to sort of feel like I wanted to put my own feet back in that water even though I've been helping usher other people's dating lives you know into greener pastures for quite a while Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this for yourself but sometimes it's easier to deal with our own pain and trauma by really focusing on creating oh sure transformation for others Um, so that was the space I was in and I've just kind of recently started dating again and i would say my ideal age range is probably 30 to 50 if i had to put uh, a lower and an upper end on it and i will say that one of the things that i personally really appreciate about younger men is that and forgive me for making a generalization but um they're often able to sort of open themselves up and be vulnerable and expose themselves in ways that uh, same-aged men or middle-aged men and older sometimes aren't as quick to do. And I'm not, um, I'm not talking about the sexual aspect. I'm, I'm talking about um, just sort of almost a willingness to strip away the mask and um, kind of get to that depth that my generation, I think we took it a little slower. We were more guarded, more cautious. And so that's refreshing to experience just this like truth and, and rawness with younger men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for um, and and one of the things that well, that's actually really interesting. That there's an emotional process there mm-hmm. that um, I think it's a little bit generational, and I'm sure there are older men that will prove me wrong. But there's like an emotional access that mm-hmm. younger men have that I just don't see as much with men in their forties and up. And do you mean kind of like more like an openness? In, in a way, or, 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 is that, or, or is that different than what you're talking about, like your vulnerability of it? I'm talking about ability to self-reflect and okay. own emotional garbage or, you know, emotional gifts, um, mm-hmm. just to sort of access the whole range that's there and not um, bottle it up, um, tamp it down, keep it under lock and key until one day I, you know, blow up and I like kick the dog down the stairs or, you know, um, I'm making a real. Sure. Of course. Of course. Yes. I'm going to make it a theory, but I don't know if this is even true, but perhaps like, perhaps like the the guy's like, you know what? Like I'm going to kind of let her kind of take control a little bit and and I'm just going to go with whatever, whatever, whatever happens because she's kind of more experienced on this. I'm not sure that's true or not, but I could see like, I could see the guy being like, well, maybe I'll let her take the lead and, and I'll, maybe I'll be able to open up. Now that's just a complete made up assumption of mine. by the way. So I don't know if that's true. So well, if, if it is not true, you guys, you guys can uh, just, just lash out at me and be like, Pat, you're giving out really bad assumptive opinions that are not true. So 
Well, I'd be interested in your audience's feedback as well. Like you probably have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. Like if people want to speak out about that, I would be curious to know what your listeners think about the statement that you just made. Okay. Well, sounds great. And I'll also put those links in the uh, comment sections below if you guys want to reach out or, or send a comment to either one of us. Sounds good. Yeah. And, and is, and is there anything else today, Susanna, that you kind of wanted to kind of dive into or anything that, in, that you want my audience to know about? Well, um, I guess I would just say that although Revising Mrs. Robinson is about older women, older women, younger men relationships, the coaching work that I do is really with individuals at all ages and stages, all interests. I work with clients across North America from age 20 to 80, practically. And most of them are more interested in what we'll call traditional relationships where they're either looking to get married for the first time or maybe just find companionship again after a divorce or a breakup. Um, so most of my clients are probably in that mainstream, if you will. I just happened to sort of write a book about something that was a little bit a fringe element. So it's, yeah. it's not, um, I, I give speeches all the time about how to make your business relationships and friendships and romantic relationships better. Um, I try to really draw connections between the personal and the professional. So if, if you're out and about, you see me speaking somewhere, I hope you'll come up and say hello. Okay. Well, sounds great. Yeah. And I also put some of those links uh, in, in the comment sections below as well, if you want to find more information about Susanna. And, and Susanna, well, I wanted to, first of all, just thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. And for everyone else who wants to try out this kind of relationship, or if you have an opportunity, and if you're open to it, then yeah, you have, you have the, the basics now. Yes. Of, of all of it. <laughs> so, so thank you guys so much again for listening and you guys have a wonderful day. If you guys enjoyed this episode, just go ahead and click that subscribe button and we'll talk to you guys soon. Ta-ta for now.